and we are live. Uh, welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big all Monday, the day after Mother's Day, so hopefully all the mothers out there had a good day. We sent out our um, Takes by Fans, the first ever Takes by Fans Mother's Day special, sent out a nice little bet there, Heat plus one and a half, and then bingo, bango, they went out right, didn't even need the point and a half, which we didn't think we needed uh, anyway, so... Hopefully all the mothers out there bet that Mother's Day special, got all the money, got what they wanted for Mother's Day, and everybody was happy. So, um, yeah, that was yesterday. Um, didn't do a show yesterday, so um, unfortunate there. But we're back today. Uh, so today we are going to be trying to um, finish fin fit in the NFC East um, draft grades. We still got the NFC to do, folks. So hopefully we can get that done this week. Um, final week of basketball, you know, just tipping off last night. Season ends this Sunday. The regular season in the NBA ends this Sunday, the 16th. So um, you know, final push. We are going to be kind of, you know, rearranging our power rankings throughout this week. Um, we have to do it for these last two days, the Saturday and Sunday. Um, there is some things that we do have to kind of change around a little bit in our power rankings, just slightly. No huge overhaul, but some teams do need to kind of move up, move up a spot, two spots up, move down a spot or two. So we'll also do that today as we're going through the NBA games from last night. We're breaking down the NBA games from last night, doing our moneymaker for tonight's action. And then, as always, talking about the stories of the day, so let's just jump right into it <clears throat> with the first one. This was just breaking. But uh, the Colts are signing former Chiefs number one overall left tackle Eric Fisher to a one-year deal worth $9.4 million. So the Colts, they didn't really get a lineman in the draft. They got one in the seventh round. Is he going to really pan out? Probably not, but maybe. Uh, so they kind of just shore up their line. Once again, this Colts team really has no other pieces that they need. They went uh, defensive end in the first round. Uh, that was kind of what they kind of prioritized, what the Colts prioritized as, you know, the one must fix to kind of get us to the Super Bowl. And, you know, that makes total sense to go and get the edge rusher, the pass rusher, because that's what the Bucks did to beat the Chiefs. Got Patrick Holmes off of his mark. I mean, we all saw the stat. It was like a weird stat of, you know, Patrick Holmes running like horizontally over 500 yards in the Super Bowl of just escaping the pressure. So the Colts shoring up just their defensive ends. They've got pieces everywhere. We talk about them all the time. The running backs. I mean, folks, they've got three great running backs. I can't believe it. Um, and I truly hope they keep all those three running backs. Jonathan Taylor. Taylor, Nehem Hines, and um, Ma um, Marlon Mack. Hopefully they keep all those three great running backs because they're all freaking great, folks. They can all go get, you know, they can all be a 1,000-yard rusher whenever they want. So uh, we'll see what happens. But shoring up their line to protect Carson Wentz. They definitely need to prote uh, protect Carson Wentz because, I mean, you know, he is injury-prone, unfortunately. Protect the running game even more. So 
Colts, um, you know, making that stride, making that extra oomph to get to the Super Bowl. That's why we're so big on the Colts in the Super Bowl this year coming out of the AFC. We just talked about it last week on the show. You can make a lot of money. I forgot what the official, I think that plus 2,700 was uh, the Colts winning the Super Bowl this year. They're out, so great value there if you decide to take it and the Colts just kind of just shoring up everything else. All right, we got the talent. We got the weapons. All right, let's bring in the defensive end through the draft, and let's go get the former number one overall uh, tackle in the draft of Eric Fisher. Now, he is coming off of an Achilles uh, tear last year, so a little unfortunate there. But once again, just the Colts signing him to a one-year deal. They are in a win-now mode. We can kind of, you know, take the risk on Eric Fisher right now recovering from the Achilles because we just need a win now. We just need him to be good for this year, and then we'll see what happens, you know, two, three years down the line, or just after this year, we can kind of reevaluate everything else. But that's where we're at. That's where we are at right now with the Colts signed Chiefs, signed the former Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher to a one-year deal. So shoring up their offensive line, gotta love it. <clears throat> Alrighty, we've been hearing a lot about uh, Zach Wilson. We saw some kind of early film on him through kind of his first couple of practices. And now we get uh, ja uh, Zach Wilson kind of being a little humble out here. Jets rookie Zach Wilson on starting quarterback job. Quote, that position's got to be earned. So he's not kind of coming in being like, you know what? I know they're going to start me. I know, I know they're their guy. He's still being a little humble out here. Knows he has to kind of go through the motions, go through the process of, you know, learning the offense offense and then getting to the starting job competing for the starting job so he's being a little humble out here but let's see what all these other quotes in this article all are all about since we've been seeing so much Zach Wilson recently Alrighty, so the number two overall selection along with his fellow 2021 draft mates and undrafted free agents commenced rookie minicamp on Friday. Wilson said it didn't take long to notice the difference between the college and pro game. Quote, a lot of thinking, way more thinking than you typically want to do in football, but that's a day one kind of thing. I really think it just comes down to the scheme part of it, how much more detailed and complicated to a point, and I think that that's what makes it so special. There's so many small things that change the momentum and change a game. That's what separates everybody in this league, the best and worst quarterbacks, whoever it is. It's such a small difference between those, and it really shows you the littlest details are what makes the big difference. So, hey, Zach Wilson knows you have to kind of pay attention to the little things, the small things that, you know, you know, talent and maybe kind of athleticism may take over for. Um, but you always have to kind of come back to those uh, – pinpoint details, those minute details to actually win the game. I mean, folks, we see it time and time and time again in every single NFL season of, you know, a team gets out big, maybe 14 nothing, but then they end up losing the game. I mean, they the, the, the losing team in that scenario goes back to the fundamentals, the small details to overcome that big deficit. So Zach Wilson's already kind of figuring that out couple of days into their uh, rookie minicamp, so absolutely fantastic. Zach Wilson, big, big brain quarterback, maybe, here with the Jets. All right, what else do we get for this man? All righty. All right, him on the starting job, quote, obviously that's important, but that's not my focus right now. My focus is to learn the offense, keep getting better every single day, do what I can with the guys around me, and I think the rest takes care of itself. In this position, the coaches want the play – want to play the best player, and that position's got to be earned. I got to go in there, and I got to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do, 
and I that I take care of uh, take care of itself. So absolutely great here. He's not uh, coming in and knowing he's the starter. Who's the other Jets quarterback though? That's um, they obviously don't uh, have Teddy Bridgewater. That wasn't the trade. Um, let's see, uh, who's, oh, oh my God, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, yeah, I mean, basically, he's the starting quarterback, I mean, if I was Zach Wilson, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the starting, what do you think, James Morgan is gonna start over me, Mike White, have y'all ever even heard of any of these players, what was James Morgan even doing in college, I don't even know where this man was, let's get this up, Zach Wilson's a thousand percent going <laughs> going to be the starting quarterback. But here's their kind of number two there with the Jets. James Morgan from Bowling Green. And then he went to uh, Florida International. Alrighty. Alright, so oh, what has he got? He's got a career of 57% completion percentage. I mean, folks, he threw in 2017, the man threw 40 45% completion percentage. Absolutely garbage. Absolutely garbage. Um, all right, his overall touchdown to interception ratio was 65 to 34. So, is that even 2 to 1? Not even 2 to 1, folks. Absolutely garbage. So, yes, this man cannot play, okay? Uh, so, yeah, Zach Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback. He doesn't really have to do that much to beat out anybody, but he's going through the process. He's saying everything you have to say as a rookie, being, being a humble rookie in this league. So, we give him the credit for that. But, uh, I mean, he's going to be the starting quarterback, folks. We know this. But, uh, yeah, that's where we're at with Zach Wilson so far. You know, kind of winning us over with just his attitude, his humbleism. And, you know, I don't really put, like, humbleism. You know, I don't look for humbleism. It's just, you know, it's nice to see when it's there and it's there for with him. So, we can appreciate that and see what he does this year. Um, you know, him and Robert Sala, man, they, uh, they both seem like great guys, humble guys that just want to win, will do whatever it takes to win. And uh, we'll see if this combo of a newly acquired head coach, first-time head coach, newly acquired uh, rookie quarterback. I mean, we just saw that with the uh, Panthers last year. They won, uh, what, they went four games, unfortunately. Um, who else had that? I believe there was one other, was there one other one? Maybe not. Um, Joe Burrow with the Bengals. They did that. Uh, Joe Burrow ends up going down, and I think the Bengals won like five or six games. So, you know, that's kind of the bar right here. You have to win a minimum of kind of four games first year um, and four games while being competitive in all those other losses. I mean, we don't want to see you get blown out every other game that you did not win because, you know, the Panthers kept it close in all their games. I don't know if the Bengals kept it close. They kept it close. Let's quickly uh, check that out very quickly. Um, just to kind of get, you know, a kind of a baseline of what to expect from the Jets this season. I mean, we just had two kind of, you know, rookie head coaches with rookie quarterbacks last year. So let's just kind of quickly uh, see what they did quickly. <clears throat> All righty. Last year, the Bengals. That's not what we want. Let's go to this. Here we go. All right. The Bengals went 4-11 and last year. So kind of four wins is kind of what we're kind of expecting. It's got to be the minimum there. Um, Where are the Bengals competitive in all their games? Let's quickly check that as well, and then we'll move off of this. All righty. What do we got here? Three-point loss, five-point loss, overtime tie, unfortunately. Uh, oh, my God. Blowout loss, 30-27 to there. Four-point loss, three-point loss. Nice win. Ooh, 26 point loss. Ooh, 11 point loss. Two point loss. 12 point loss. Ooh, ooh, ooh. they lost against the Cowboys, 30 to seven, folks. Yikes. Um, 
and then ooh, another blow. Yeah, so they kind of got blown out. They really weren't that competitive in all their losses. So do a little bit better than the Bengals did, but um, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got the we got uh, four four wins between the Panthers and the Bengals. Panthers were more competitive in all their games that they lost, and the Bengals weren't. So that's kind of the benchmark, the lowest bar that we're expecting from the Jets this season. Four wins while getting blown out in all the losses. That's the minimum the Jets, Zach Wilson, and Robert Sala have to reach this season. Let's see if they can get it. Alrighty, let's move on to this. Um, you know, I don't really understand all the Tua slander. It's still coming out. I mean, uh, you know, all the, you know, expert analysis don't really like this guy. But, you know, what we saw from him last season, we enjoyed it. And I'm not just saying that as a Dolphins fan, folks. I try to be as objective as possible. But, you know, I love this man's accuracy. I absolutely loved how he was placing the ball in all the throws. And just maybe the the lackluster um, offensive call it, play calling, you know, um, did not help Tua, and definitely our receivers of not kind of being good or being reliable all season definitely hurt Tua. But, you know, uh, well, let's read the article, and then we can get into the stats. But uh, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores says that Tua Tagovailoa, quote, doing everything necessary to make some improvements. So that's absolutely fantastic. That's what we want to see, getting better every single year. We're not going to just see what you did year one and then just kind of run with that as, you know, the the, the official narrative for the rest of his career. That's nonsense. you got to see, you know, players getting better every single season, and we'll see if Tua can do that. Year one was pretty good and we'll see what happens here too. All righty, <clears throat> Flores told Peter King that he doesn't put all the weight onto a shoulders. Quote, I never like to put it all on one player. I think that's what we, I think we've got a lot of young players and we're looking for all these players as well as really everyone on our team to improve in a variety of ways. If they're putting all the work in, I expect them to improve, get better, and perform better. Tua is obviously at the top of that list. He's been working. All signs point to... Or I would say, based on my experience, he's doing everything necessary to make some improvements. That's really all we can ask for. My thing is, if you put the work in, the results will take care of themselves. So, Brian Flores has kind of you know, no worries, no issues with Tua's work ethic. Tua wants to put the work in. He is putting the work in. And Brian Flores is like, hey, I'm giving you all the scheme. I'm giving you the supporting cast. I'm giving you the freedom to, to get better. This is how you do it. You know, just take it or leave it. And so far, Tua's buying in. It seems like all the other players are buying in as well. So we're expecting big things from Tua this season. Uh, Brian Flores is saying that, hey, he's doing everything that we've been telling him, that we've kind of laid out for him. This is how you get better. And he's going and doing it. So we absolutely love it. But let's kind of go back to, you know, just kind of to uh, what we love about him is his accuracy. He comes in rookie year throwing 64% completion percentage. Absolutely fantastic. Um... You know, but when we kind of compare to, you know, the other good quarterbacks that, you know, everybody else says that it's just so much better than Tua, you know, his rookie class that he's kind of competing against, you know, Joe Burrow, he threw 65% completion percentage. So just a 1% completion percentage better than Tua. But what did Tua do a little bit better? He won games. He went six and six and three in his nine games. Joe Burrow played 10 games, went two and seven and one. So yes, you know, Tua a little less completion percentage, but it led to more wins. Gotta love that. Another thing that Tua does very well is doesn't turn the ball over. Five interceptions official. 
we are going to kind of, you know, once the NFL or once the NBA season wraps up, we're going to go very in-depth and do, you know, all the narratives that we've been telling about the NFL, that we've been hearing about the NFL. And that's basically what we're going to be doing um, in the offseason until the NFL starts after the NBA season ends. But, you know, a narrative that we are going to have to dive into is, you know, Tua with his interceptions, a lot of his interceptions kind of got canceled out by a penalty. Uh, so we'll definitely look at that. But, you know, his official interceptions that counted were only five. So we got to give him credit on, you know, those official interceptions. Only five. We can take that all year. Absolutely. And Joe Burrow had five as well. And then Justin Herbert, I mean, we praise this man as one of the best rookie quarterbacks um, of all time, honestly. It was just an absolutely magnificent performance. And, you know, Justin Herbert threw 66% completion percentage. So, you know, Tua's right is right up there with these other rookie quarterbacks in his draft class. He's got more wins than these other rookies do. I mean, Justin Herbert played 15 games and went 6-9, and nine, folks. Tua played... Nine games and went six and three. So you got to give credit to Tua for winning the games, getting the completion percentage done, not turning the ball over. Justin Herbert, he threw 10 interceptions, which, you know, we're still fine with 10 interceptions your rookie year. That's fine. We've got no problem with that. It's just that Tua threw five. You know what I mean? So got to give, you know, Tua credit. I don't understand all the slander. He's right up here. And this is an absolutely fantastic rookie quarterback class, folks. Joe Burrow, the 65% completion percentage. <clears throat> Justin Herbert, the 66. I mean, these rookies are really slinging the ball, throwing it, and are accurately getting it done. So, uh, we'll, you know, Tua's going to be compared with these guys for the rest of his career just because they're all in the same draft class. Uh, he's got more wins than these other, you know, his other competition does. So, we'll see how he plays year two, but we're definitely buying into him. Uh, you know, we never bought into the narrative that the Dolphins were going to draft a quarterback this year. We thought it was all nonsense. We are believers in Tua, folks. The accuracy is great. Alrighty, let's move on to this, folks, and, you know, gotta love it, gotta love it when we talk about things, and then, you know, that thing, it just gets highlighted once we talk about it, you gotta love seeing that, but, uh, you know, we were the first ones to talk about it, but, you know, we won't brag too much here, uh, but here we go, uh, you know, last week we talked on the show of Tom Brady, what he, what he would be willing to give up to trade in uh, or to get that perfect season beating um, Eli Manning in the Super Bowl and going 19-0. We heard, you know, a little bit of a softball lob. Hey, Tom, would you trade two of your seven rings if it meant you can get the perfect season? And Tom Brady said, absolutely. But we kind of picked that apart. We were like, Tom, we want to know, you know, we want to know the more specifics. What is, what is the most that you would give up for those rings? We never heard that. So we had to speculate ourselves and kind of said he would kind of give up four rings so we could uh, uh, still have three and the perfect season so we talked about that on the show and then here comes today uh justin tuck says that tom told him something like this years ago and it was way more than just two rings folks so now once again you know we've got tom brady coming out here saying hey yeah i trade two rings you know for you know for that perfect season but we want to know the extremes because we want to ask tom brady tough questions now tom brady does not deserve any more softball questions he is he tom brady is in another stratosphere of elite quarterbacks, folks. There is nobody else in Tom Brady's league, so we don't have to ask him softball questions. We want to know the specifics. Would you trade all seven of your rings? Would you trade six, five, four, three, two, one? That's what we want to know, the exact number of rings that Tom Brady would trade in to get the perfect season, 19-0, against, the, um, against Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. So what we're going to do now... Um, 
is try you know we didn't do this the first time we did it that's why we're doing it now but um we're gonna go look at every single super bowl that tom brady's played in and see which ones he probably would get rid of to get that perfect season so here we go Tom Brady, 10 Super Bowls. Cannot believe it. Absolutely fantastic. But here we go. His first Super Bowl comes in 2001 against Seattle, or against St. Louis. St. Louis Rams. They're not even in St. Louis anymore. Uh, they win by three points. Fantastic. Would Tom Brady trade in his first Super Bowl win for that kind of ring of the perfect season? So let's see. It's hard to do on this one because it's your first ring. Really don't think Tom Brady would give up rank number one especially when it's against Kurt Warner that means Kurt Warner gets another ring and you know you know when we're looking at you know the greatest of all time now kind of revised because Tom Brady is going to be trading in some rings here he's not going to want to trade in his first against Kurt Warner so I think especially and Marshall Falk that means Marshall Falk gets you know another ring and I don't think you know Tom Brady wants to have the rings he wants to kind of be you know the best winner of all time the most kind of blinged out of all time the greatest quarterback of all time so don't really think and then it means Terry Holt gets an or gets a ring another ring I don't think he's got a ring but Terry Holt gets a ring so that's these are like three great three great players Hall of Fame caliber players that would get a ring so I don't think Tom Brady would trade in ring number one first ring and then that means Marshall Falk or yeah Marshall Falk gets a ring a rival in the greatest quarterback of all time Kurt Warner would get another ring so do not think Tom Brady would be willing to give away ring one so let's count out his first Super Bowl ring he's going to keep that Alrighty, then comes his, the second Super Bowl win against Carolina in 2003. Another three-point win here. And now this one, he probably could trade in a little bit. The quarterback of the Panthers was uh, Jake DeLone, folks. He's, that's no competition for greatest of all time. And really, the only good player here that would get a ring would be Steve Smith. So he actually gets a ring, and I'm I'm above Steve Smith getting a ring. I would like that. So I think Tom Brady could definitely trade in ring number two. Doesn't really hurt too much overall in the kind of greatest quarterback of all time discussion. No other kind of elite players on that Carolina team that could kind of bite him in the butt if he trades in that ring of just kind of being one of the greatest winners of all time. So we can see Tom Brady trading away ring two. He trades in ring two. So that's at least one ring. Alrighty, then he goes against Philadelphia. Here we go in 2005. A th another three-point win here for the Patriots. All, you know, clutch time wins here. Very well done. But, uh, you know, the quarterback of the Eagles here was Donovan McNabb. Do you give Donovan McNabb a ring? And look at this man throwing three interceptions in a Super Bowl. Absolutely pathetic, dude. Come on, get it together. You are in uh, the biggest game of the year and you're throwing three picks? Uh, Terrell Owens would also get a ring. So in that, um, also, um, Andy Reid would get a ring as a head coach, you know, battling out Bill a little bit for greatest kind of winning head coach of all time. Um, so I think once again, it would be a little hard to give up this Eagles ring just because you're giving it to another great quarterback of Donovan McNabb. Um, so this, uh, Super Bowl number three ring, definitely harder to give up. Uh, I don't think he does. I don't think he trades it in. I don't think he can kind of trade in that Philadelphia ring. 
Uh, so we're not saying that he trades in rank three. Then comes the two losses against the Giants. 2007, they lose. 2011, they lose. And then that comes 2014. Back to winning. Back to getting another ring that he could potentially trade in here. This time, it is against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, it, it, it may be a little easier to trade in this ring because they basically lost this game anyway. I mean, it just came down to like the final seconds on the goal line. Tom Brady was not expecting, you know, the interception by Malcolm Butler to win the Super Bowl. So, in that aspect, it would be a little easier to give up this ring because it kind of felt like he didn't win the ring just in general while the game was going on. Um, but then you have to look at, you know, Russell Wilson. He gets another ring. He would have two rings. And just that aspect, you know, we're going to be talking of Russell Wilson like we talk about Aaron Rodgers, folks. I mean, truly, you know, we're going to be comparing Russell Wilson to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Maybe a little underwhelming just overall in his career of only winning that one ring. Exactly like Aaron Rodgers, he's got the arm. You know, Russell Wilson's got the arm as big as, you know, Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Uh, he's got the escapability. He's great. He's fantastic. Uh, he's humble. He's everything. So another ring that would be a little hard to give up against this Seahawks team. Russell Wilson gets another one. Uh, so we can't really see that he would trade in the Seattle ring. Then you go against... Um, Atlanta and win and this is another tough ring to kind of trade in because this was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history one of the greatest comebacks of all time so I don't know if he's going to trade in this Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl ring yes you give Matt Ryan a ring I don't really think we're going to be talking about Matt Ryan as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so in that aspect we you know Tom Brady would probably w be willing to trade in this ring but at the end of the day it's the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history I don't think he would want to give up that ring so so can't really see him giving up this Atlanta ring either. And then the Philadelphia Super Bowl, they lose that, so can't trade in that ring. Um, and then comes the Rams. He would definitely trade in this ring, folks. A 13-3 win. Uh, Jared Goff, he can't even, you know, stay with the Rams. He's not that good. So I would definitely say he would trade in this Rams ring as, as well. Doesn't really hurt him in the greatest of all time category with Jared Goff. It was just a, it was a lackluster Super Bowl anyway in terms of offense and offensive scoring. I mean, folks, the Rams put up three points. <laughs> they put up three points in the Super Bowl. So I would say that Tom Brady would kind of trade in ring number, which one is this? Three, four, five, six. This is ring six. <clears throat> All right, so he trains, trades in ring six. And then just the last one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think he trades in this one either. Going against Patrick Mahomes. Once again, going against Andy Reid, beating him. Um, you know, getting, you know, year one with the Bucs. You know, kind of rubbing it in Bill Belichick's face. This is definitely a ring that, you know, really cements Tom Brady as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, you know, and it also kind of disrupted the entire NFC East. I mean, we just heard of big kind of outcries of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in this offseason. I'm not wanting to play with their teams anymore because of what Tom Brady did year one. So, um, you know, when you're just talking about it, just talk about, oh, yeah, I'd give away, you know, two ranks, three ranks. Yeah, but we want to know specifically which ones because, you know, you know, they all kind of have, you know, their 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 downfalls. If you trade these rings in, you know, you trade away the first Super Bowl ring. That's your first one early on in your career against Kurt Warner. Uh, so there are kind of, you know, blowbacks of these rings trading in. But we can definitively say, you know, two rings looking really, you know, really lackluster compared to all the other ones that you could be able to trade in. Like we said, uh, the Super Bowl against Carolina, no big-name quarterback there, nothing to really worry about. And then the Rams, once again, no real big quarterback to worry about in the greatest fall time category, lackluster Super Bowl anyway. So those two rings he could definitely trade in. But 
let's go back to this quote here that uh, Justin Tuck said that it would be more than two rings. So if we're just kind of speculating on which actual rings Tom Brady is going to give up, more than two, it would probably be, ah, man. If we have to put it in order, maybe the Philadelphia ring, that would probably be the next ring given away. And then maybe the Seattle one, just because, like we said, they basically lost that one anyway. It was basically looking like a loss anyway, so he was he wouldn't have been losing that much in general. If you can kind of you know understand where I'm what I'm trying to express there. Um, so I would say at max four rings, at max four rings, with you know giving up the ring of the Eagles and giving away the ring of the Seahawks. Maybe he gives away the first ring against the St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner. And then keeps the one against Russell Wilson. So that's also another thing. But, you know, we could see definite two rings going away. Four, he's kind of compromising either giving Kurt Warner another ring or Russell Wilson another ring. And that's where it gets a little kind of, all right, now is it truly worth it for one more ring of an undefeated season against the you know, Eli Manning. So, um, yeah, I would definitely love to, you know, know exactly which ones Tom Brady's giving up. And that's something I wish everybody asked Tom Brady. I don't want to hear another question from a reporter that's not related to which rings are Tom Brady giving up to get the perfect season over Eli Manning of going 19-0. and So that's the real question. Let's stop asking this man softball questions. He's way too good to be hitting home runs off softball lob questions, folks. I mean, come on. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get down into the into the details so, you know, we don't have to wait until, you know, the documentary, you know, the last dance like Michael Jordan that just came out last year, seven-parter documentary, and then we hear all the answers. Uh, we want to know now. We want to know now. And then, you know, we'll follow up the, you know, we'll follow up this question, you know, 20 years down the line as well. But let's get the answer right now and see if anything changes as, you know, quarterbacks start to win. You know, Russell Wilson's going to be playing well after, you know, Tom Brady's gone. So, you know, we can kind of track that as well. But, uh, yeah, let's stop asking Tom Brady softball questions, truly. Let's get down. Let's know exactly, detail, which rings are you giving up. You said you're giving up definite two. Which two? We want to know because I think we know, but we want to hear from, you know, we want to hear from the horse, man. The horse needs to talk. Tom Brady, start talking. <laughs> um, so we'll see if anything uh, comes out of this story. But, um, you know, we kind of talked about it already, and now we're talking about it again. I love it. I love it. All right, let's keep moving on here. Um, more odds to win, and this time it's odds to win the NFC North. Alrighty, they favor the Packers at number one at minus 115 to win the division. Vikings at plus 250. Bears at plus 325. <laughs> and then the Lions at plus 2,000. I mean, look at that big jump. They're giving the Lions no credit. And, you know, I agree with that. I mean, I would definitely put the Lions at the last. Jared Goff, I mean, I believe in Jared Goff. I would definitely give this man, you know, the benefit of the doubt coming into the season. But I can't give the benefit of the doubt to Dan Campbell. I mean, I just truly cannot do that. So, yes, the Lions are definitely the worst odds here now to, dis to disrespect them and put them at plus 2,000. I think that may go a little, you know, that was going a little too far. But, you know, I understand where they're coming from. 
Alrighty, I definitely agree with the Packers at being minus 115. I mean, you still got Aaron Rodgers, folks, and you know, whether he's, you know, happy there or miserable there, it doesn't really matter. I mean, folks, I mean, we talk about this same Aaron Rodgers story for like the last three years, folks. This is nothing new. We were talking about the same thing when it was Mike McCarthy as a head coach. Now we're talking about the same things when Matt LaFleur is the head coach. So, you know, this, this you know, this story of, you know, Aaron Rodgers not wanting to play and isn't going to play and, you know, telling free agents that, hey, I'm not going to be here. I think it's a little nonsense. Um, he's still going to go out and show out like he does all year. I mean, folks, we heard about Aaron Rodgers being unhappy, and then what did he do two years ago? 13-3, got to the NFC Championship game. And then we still heard him crying out, not getting enough, and then they drafted his replacement, and then what did he do? 13-3, NFC Championship game. So, you know, yes, you know, he may be miserable, and, you know, if all these kind of, you know, stories that are coming out are truly legitimate, it doesn't matter. He's still going to go out there and do what he does, and that's when he's a winning quarterback, at least in the regular season. Decent in the postseason, can't get to the big game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to go, he's going to do what he does. And that's to throw the football absolutely almost perfectly, almost perfectly, folks. I don't know if there's another more quarterback that can throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers does as perfectly as he does consistently over and over and over and over and over again. So yeah, I agree. The Packers should be the favorites here. What I kind of disagree on is, you know, the Bears being three and the Vikings being two. I put the Bears at number two, Matt Nagy, do or die year. They've got the infrastructure, their defense, folks, their defense last year was just so deflated so deflated because the offense was so trash the defense would get a stop after a stop after stop and then the offense was putting up no points ever on any of those stops so the defense kind of quit at the end of the season the defense is not going to quit because they got Justin Fields and I think he's definitely going to be able to kind of elevate the Bears more than Mitch Trubisky was elevated was able to elevate them this year so I would put the Bears that probably probably kind of switch switch them around here, maybe at plus 200, move the Vikings over to plus probably 300 because I'm I supposed to kind of, once again, believe in Kirk Cousins. I'm, I'm supposed to believe they're supposed to get it done this year. I mean, folks, can you look at all the weapons he has and, you know, his underwhelming winning with all these weapons? I mean, you get rid of Stephon Diggs, but, I mean, Adam Thielen moves over to the one, and then you got Justin Jefferson at the number two, which was an absolutely stunning rookie season. And then we saw Delvin Cook also fumble the ball. Are we supposed to still believe in him as well? And then the defense. Oh my goodness. The worst thing about the defense last season was the defense. Are we supposed to think it just magically got better in one single offseason when it was like really the worst defense of all? I know they got Patrick Peterson, but he's kind of aging out of this league. He wasn't the greatest with the Cardinals. He's just got kind of big a big name attached to him because he was good in his prime. But now that he's aging out of this, um, aging out of the league, kind of like Richard Sherman, he hasn't found a home yet either. He was great for a couple of seasons, definitely dominated. And we're not trying to knock, you know, Patrick Peterson and Richard Sherman. They're great quarterback, cornerbacks. They should go down as probably Hall of Fame talent level. Um, it's just hard to maintain dominance and excellence for multiple years. It's it's they're outlier seasons, folks. All these great quarterbacks that we've been seeing for the last ten to fifteen years, consistently great. These are outlier quarterbacks, folks. And you know, um, that's the one position that you know we see a lot of outliers in is the quarterback position because they you know lead the team. They are the focal point of the team. So I would probably put the Bears at number two there, the Vikings at number three, but I definitely agree with the ones and two there. And um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see more odds get released, and you know we'll still you know do these with the other divisions. But uh, yeah, Packers most likely coming out of the out of the NFC North just because it's Aaron Rodgers, folks. 
Alrighty, let's uh, talk about this really quickly. DK Metcalf. Uh, we heard all the news surrounding him that he was going to go and run, you know, run a uh, race. I, I don't even know what the race was. I don't know the official, the official distance, but official track race here for DK Metcalf. Um, and he placed, uh, he placed ninth in the seat. I think there's like 10 people. It may only be nine people. <laughs> Is there only nine racers? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that, that's funny that they kind of word it as finishing ninth place instead of finishing last place in this heat. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he did come in last in this kind of heat, unfortunate, but you know, he's a football player and then, you know, it kind of humbled him, and you know, we can just look at the sheer difference of just kind of his size at six, three, 235 pounds, folks. I mean, that's not a track athlete build, but, and you can clearly just see the size difference of DK Metcalf out here with all these other sprinters. I mean, folks, 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 look at, he's, he's looking like a mammoth, a mammoth, folks. So he doesn't win the race, unfortunately, and that's what everybody was saying, you know, building up to the race. Oh, why the hell is he doing this? He's not going to win. He's going to look like a fool, blah, 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 uh, but he went out there, didn't care what everybody else said, did it, did not win, unfortunate. And then, you know, he got, he kind of got a newfound respect for these athletes after, you know, this race and they interviewed him. He was like, you know, there is, you know, now I know that there's truly a difference between, you know, NFL speed and, you know, world-class athletic speed out here. So. DK Metcalf give him total props to doing this you know another reason why he said that he did it is because everybody else is afraid to do this nobody wants to kind of you know show that they're slower compared to all these other athletes in the world so you know the NFL is you know one of the biggest sports in the world at least in America definitely the number one sport I think that's undisputable um, but you know NFL players you know they think they have you know the king of the castle and they don't want to kind of get dethroned by you know showing that they can't do or can get beat by other athletes so I give a ton of credit here for DK Metcalf okay he didn't win he still put up a good ass time and he's still looking real fast out there and when it comes to the NFL he's going to hawk and chase you down so that's all he that's all he wants he just kind of wanted to see where his speed is and at his build folks he's probably not going to be able to catch up with any of these other other kind of sprinters out there nobody else was 6-3 out there so DK Metcalf absolutely well done um what did he run officially at 10.37, 10.37 seconds. So we give the man credit. Absolutely well done. So um, obviously he's not going to, you know, qualify for the Olympics or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he's going to go back to the Seahawks and still chase down. I, I forgot who picked him off, but still chase down any everybody, everybody that picks off Russell Wilson and thinks they're going to get a free pick six. You better watch out because we got a uh, DK Metcalf at 6'3", 235 pounds that can run almost as I mean, folks, we're talking about, you know, ten, two tenths of a second that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that he got beat by. It seemed like a first place here. Seems like they ended the time. Let's see if we can get the official ending timestamp. Seems like first place finished in 10.12 seconds. DK Metcalf finishing at 10.37 seconds. Folks, it's, it's, it's two tenths of a second off away from being, you know, one of the fastest people in the world. So we can understand the point, the point two seconds. All right. So DK Metcalf, fantastic out there. A great athlete. And, uh, hey, he's fast for a football player, and that's all that matters because he's making money off the football. So, um, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to watch DK Metcalf again this season. Fast, fast, fast. Holy moly. <laughs>
Now we got to see uh, Tyreek Hill do this and see if he can beat, you know, the 1037 and try to, you know, compete because we know um, Tyreek Hill is one of the fastest receivers out there. So let's see who's actually faster. Tyreek Hill, and he's smaller, so he fits into the build of a classic runner. All right. All right, let's head over to some NBA stories now. Uh, LeBron James, he's targeting a return for a two for. Uh, all right, uh, LeBron is targeting a return for Tuesday's matchup against the Knicks. Well, hopefully, you know LeBron James isn't coming back too early, and that he's not going to blame. Hey, I, I came back too early, and I can't finish the game, and I'm not going to, and I'm I'm going to be out for you know the next five games. So hopefully, LeBron James is actually feeling 100%, um, you know, his second return from the injury. Uh, but the Lakers just won last night against the Suns. Absolutely great win. They're still competing for uh, to not be in the playoff playing tournament. Uh, can they get out of there? Let's see. Currently, the Lakers are number seventh in the Western Conference, and they're only a game back from the number six seed that the Blazers hold. So, yeah, absolutely, they can kind of get out of the playing tournament. That's definitely what they want, in my opinion. Nobody wants to be in the playing tournament. So, we'll see if LeBron James can kind of, you know, be able to push this team past the rest of their teams here. Well, they got four or five games left now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully LeBron James doesn't ruin the chemistry. They have to get their chemistry good with uh, with all their kind of normal starters heading into the postseason. Uh, but, you know, we saw, you know, when LeBron James came back, they were a little dysfunctional. They lost the game. They were win- they're winning without him. So, I mean, you got to implement, and implement LeBron James back as soon as possible, obviously. We're just hoping uh, it's actually right to this time and he doesn't kind of retweak his injury, doesn't think he's coming back too early, but... Uh, Watch for LeBron James against the Knicks tomorrow, folks. Going to be a great one. We know the Knicks are looking absolutely fantastic. They just won last night. How that, or I mean, just fantastic beating the Clippers. Well done. Uh, keeping that fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. So LeBron James wants to kind of get it back into some elite competition his first game back. And we'll see how he does. Alrighty, now the odds for the 2021 NBA championship have come out, and the number one is the Nets at plus 225 of winning the ring, and I thought that was kind of real bizarre, but then they went and beat the Nuggets, so well done to them, but the Nets are the front runner at plus 225 odds, then the Lakers at number two at plus 450, what, what, I mean, I, I, I like LeBron James, don't get me wrong, and I think this Lakers team is good, but I mean, folks, have we seen some of these other teams, the 76ers, the Jazz, the Bucks, the Clippers, I mean, even the Nuggets we love the Nuggets and uh, the Lakers being number two is a little wild then we have the Clippers tied at two as well at plus 450 how great are odds of that if uh but we have to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George really step it up they floundered last night against the Knicks hopefully they don't flounder in the playoffs but uh, the real, the real robbery here, the real robbery here, the real great value here is the Bucks to win the title this year is at plus 700. We're really feeling like it's the Bucks year this year. We weren't buying into the Bucks last year. We didn't buy into the Bucks two years ago, but now we are officially Bucks supporters out here. They're getting it done offensively. They're putting up all the points. They're scoring from the outside, the inside. The bench is great. The, the fourth player, the, the, these role players are great. Drew Holiday's, you know, commanding the floor. Chris Middleton, you know, is getting it done every single game. So this Bucks team, this is the year that we feel they can go all the way. And them at plus 700 is great odds there. Uh, 
The Jazz at plus 750 is, you know, decent as well. We're not, you know, huge buyers of this Jazz team, but they've got the pieces to win. The 76ers, more great value here at plus 900. I mean, Joel Embiid, folks, in this starting roster, I mean, I know we say it a lot, but it's one of the best starting rosters that there is just, you know, in the entire NBA, honestly. Um, Tobias Harris is fantastic. Danny Green, Seth Curry, you've got two lethal outside shooters when they are on. Um, and then the bench of just Dwight Howard, Shake Milton, Thibault just getting it done deep as heck. The starters are all good. You've got, you know, an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. And, you know, we saw that's one thing that hurt the Nets a couple of games ago. The Bucks beef down low. Giannis just continuing, going for 40 a night. Joel Embiid can do the same thing. Um, and then the Suns at plus 1,400 at the seventh kind of highest ranked to win the title this year. And, you know, we are, you know, big fans of the Suns team as well. They've got nice pieces. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, obviously, Jay Crowder, um, DeAndre Ayton, all looking pretty good. But, you know, their offensive production on some nights so is very lackluster. So I don't think it's great value at plus 1,400. And then the Nuggets at plus twenty five hundred at number eight, we love that as well. I mean, you've got the you've got the MVP there in Jokic, absolutely fantastic. Um, you know they're winning without Jamal Murray, another great sign. A little thing that we have to kind of pull back on in this Nuggets team is their last two games against the Jazz and the Nets. They lost against both of those, so a little concerning there. You know, losing against the best best caliber teams at the back at, back end of the season's never great, uh, and we are going to have to reflect that in our power rankings in um in a couple of segments. Uh, but yeah, I mean some good odds here. Um, I'm a little I, I don't really understand why the Nets are number one. They did just go out and beat the Nuggets, but, you know, can they beat the Bucks? Can they even come out of the East? We don't even think so because <laughs> you're going to have to face the Bucks and probably the 76ers. You might have to face both of those teams. So, you know, just getting pounded down low. Who's going to stop it? DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. I mean, I like those guys. Uh, you know, I was a fan of those, you know, Lob City days with the Clippers of Chris Paul and the big three there. But, uh, you know, they, they just never got it done. They were just never elite. They were just never great for a seven-game series, you know, deep into the playoff run. They never got to the Western Conference Finals with the Clippers. So, can't trust them. And uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather take, you know, Giannis and Joel Embiid over DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. I think that's a no-brainer. But definitely in the, uh, in the playoffs, that's where these kind of great superstars of Embiid and, you know, Giannis, you know, back, you know, Giannis, you know, last year MVP winner, Joel Embiid, a MVP front runner this year, uh, you know, top three at least. So, uh, Bucks at plus 700. I love those odds. I think those are fantastic odds. And I think that's where the best value is, honestly, on, uh, on this odds chart. All righty, let's keep moving on here. Uh, this was from two days ago, but we didn't do the show, show yesterday, so we have to bring this in. The Wizards beating the Pacers straight up. The Wizards overtaking that ninth seed in the Eastern Conference, so they get the home court advantage for the Pacers in the first round of the playing tournament. They're a game back from moving up to number eight to have two chances to get into the playoffs. So a thousand percent shout out to this uh, Wizards team and Russell Westbrook, especially because he got the win. Wizards are up one point here, 133. 132 with a second left. Pacers inbound the ball, and Russell Westbrook blocks the shot there by Karis LeVert, and that's game, baby. So Russell Westbrook, I mean, we love to shout this man out as much as we can. He's winning games because of his great performance, his great hustle on the court. So well done for Russell Westbrook, earning all this great attention, all earning his seating here in the playing tournament. So got to respect this Wizards team, and Russell Westbrook, a 1,000%. Very well done. 
Alrighty, then also from Saturday, which we weren't able to talk about, is the Nets beating the Nuggets. Absolutely fantastic. They were kind of down bad for the first half of the game. Then they come back, uh, you know, scorching in the third quarter and are able to kind of get the win. So, well done for the Nets. We have to kind of shout out Kyrie Irving. He had a great game. I know we clown on Kyrie Irving a lot on this show, and that's not the goal of this show. I just, you know just some of his, you know, outside personality when we hear it, we talk about it, but his on-floor, his on-court performance is never in question, um, and then Saturday beating the Nuggets, who we have as the number one team, so shout out a thousand percent to Kyrie Irving on Saturday night, 31 points, four assists, he shot four of seven from three, 64% from the field, so I gotta praise Kyrie Irving when the moments come, and the moment came, unfortunately we didn't have the show last night, but I still have to fit it in there, to be fair to Kyrie Irving. Uh, so absolutely well done for Kyrie Irving to get the win, stepping up big, 31 points. Wasn't the leading scorer. That was Kevin Durant, but still the 31 points. He only had four assists as well. Would have liked that to get up a little bit more. Uh, but at the end of the day, he had big shots there. Beat the Nuggets, who, like we've said, you know, the best team in the league, according to us, at least during the time. That is going to change in a little bit once we get there. But uh, shout-out to the Nets. Shout-out to Kyrie Irving. Shout-out to the Wizards. And shout-out to Russell Westbrook for those great Saturday performances. Alrighty, those were all the stories to kind of go over for today. So let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down the games from last night, do our moneymaker, kind of tweak our power rankings a little bit, and then we'll head over to the NFC East and start grading their draft performances. Alrighty, so here we go from last night, the first game up. <clears throat> All right, the first game up here is the Heat and the Celtics in an absolutely huge game for this Heat. The Heat and the Celtics at the 6th and 7th seed. The Celtics could have gotten a game within a game of them, uh, but the Heat go out and win it. Fantastic. They're now two games above the Celtics. The Heat are out of the playing tournament. The Celtics are in the playing tournament now. Uh, the 6th and 7th, that's where the cutoff is, folks. If you're 6 and above, you're in the playoffs. If you're 7 or below, 7 through 10. You're in the playing tournament. So, shout out to the Heat last night for getting the win. Absolutely fantastic. What Our only moneymaker pick from last night, a hit, bango, bango, Heat plus one. And we saw um, as it got closer to game time, the line totally flipped to uh, Heat plus one is what it was to start with. And then it flipped to Heat minus one. So, we got the Great Valley. We told y'all. We told the mamas out there on Mother's Day to go and bet this. They did it. Fantastic work. All right. But let's talk about this game now. Heat, uh, Kendrick Nunn still the one there. 12 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Duncan Robinson put up 22 points on 6 of 10 from the 3. Well done. Bam Adebayo, 20 points. Trevor Ariza, 19 points. Wasn't efficient from the 3. But that's all we want from Trevor Ariza. Good defense and at least you know 10 to 15 plus points. And he gave us 19. And then Jimmy Butler, uh, leading scorer for the squad, 26 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds on 64% shooting. So the starters were all able to get it done. Goran Dragic had a little bit of a lackluster game. Definitely need to rely on him heavy on the scoring on the bench because there's really nobody else as consistent off the bench as Goran Dragic. But uh, Dragic only 9 points on 3 of 5 from 3, 3 of 10 from the field in total. 7 assists, 3 rebounds to go along with all that. Tyler Hero had a pretty decent game, 12 points and 3 rebounds in only 17 minutes, 2 of 3 from the 3, so just giving them that extra lift that they needed. Luckily, the starters for all the Heat were able to get it done, so they didn't need big games from Dragic and Tyler Hero because they really didn't get that great of games from them. So, 
Well done for the Heat. Absolutely must win game last night against the Celtics, and they go out and win it. And I believe they face again tomorrow, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but we'll see if the Celtics can maybe get revenge. All right, now let's talk about the Celtics now. Once again, no Jalen Brown, unfortunately. Um, So a little unfortunate there. For the Celtics team. So Kemba Walker's at the one. Marcus Smart at the two. Evan Fournier at the three. Tatum at the four. And they're rocking with Robert Williams in the starting rotation. But then playing Tristan Thompson more minutes off the bench. Because Robert Williams only played 11 minutes in the starting lineup. But uh, let's talk about the Celtics team now. Kemba Walker... 18 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds. He shot 1 of 4 from 3. That's what we're talking about. Not kind of abusing the 3 ball. Marcus Smart, 16 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds. He also shot 1 of 4 from 3. Robert Williams, 4 points, 2 rebounds in only the 11 minutes. Jason Tatum, 29 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 of 6 from 3. And then Evan Fournier, what a great game. Led the team in scoring, 30 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds, 7 of 11 from 3. I mean, the man was automatic all night. So Evan Fournier tried his damnedest. Jason Tatum tried his damnedest. And the rest of the starters of Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart had pretty good games. Just unfortunately come up a little short here. And let's uh, let's take a look at this bench. Nothing great, but Aaron Nesmith, what a great performance. 16 points, 4 rebounds. Nothing else great. Tristan Thompson, he had 2 points. He had 12 rebounds, but he played 31 minutes. Um, so, well done to Aaron Nesmith. Nothing else great. Peyton Pritchard, 0 points on 0-4 from the field. Somebody that we, you know, decently, who had a decent stretch of games, unfortunately, back to floundering. So, we'll see if Aaron Nesmith, their rookie that they picked up, can kind of get it done in the playoffs. They definitely need Jalen Brown back to increase their bench a little bit more uh, but we'll see how it all works out but uh, the Celtics lose by 6 130 to 124 Alrighty, next game up now is the Knicks and the Clippers, and the Knicks beat the Clippers. What a wonderful game here by the Knicks, and a little bit of lackluster performance uh, by Paul George, just a little bit, but uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Let's start here with the Knicks. Reggie Bullock, 24 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Julius Randle, 14 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, or five, yeah, 5 assists, fantastic. Nerlens Noel, 5 points, 5 rebounds. R.J. Barrett putting up the points, 18.7 rebounds, 4 assists. So that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Alfred Payton at the 1, 2 points on 1 of 5 shooting. We don't really rely on him. We're just relying on, you know, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Reggie Bullock. They all got it done. And then the big game by Derrick Rose led the team in scoring off the bench. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he ends up making it up. Uh, it, up into the starting lineup, you know, we kind of saw, you know, with the, um, we've been tracking it with the Timberwolves, you know, Ricky Rubio, you know, being the starting point guard, but D'Angelo Russell playing better off the bench. They made the switch and it didn't really translate the win. So it is kind of, you know, a tough decision to move Derrick Rose into the starting lineup. Uh, but he is still playing starting minutes at 32 minutes, <clears throat> but Derrick Rose, 25 points, eight assists, six rebounds, two of three from three and 64% from the field. Absolutely great. Taj Gibson put up 8 points and 5 rebounds off the bench as well And then just nothing else great Obi Toppin had 7 points on 3 or 4 from the field uh, in 10 minutes So not bad there either But the Knicks able to just do just enough to get it done Get it done defensively Hold the Clippers to only 100 points So shout out to that Alright now let's talk about this Clippers team Reggie Jackson still at the 1 Absolutely love it 
All right, so Reggie Jackson, 12 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 57% on only 7 shots. Uh, Paul George, though, this is where he gets a little uh, uh, 18 points only, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 2 of 9 from 3. Yikes. Um, Zubak still at the 5, 6 points, 8 rebounds. Marcus Morris, 7 points on 22% from the field. Once again, a little lackluster there. Kawhi Leonard led the team in scoring, and that's no surprise. 29 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 of 9 from 3. But once again, he wasn't efficient, you know, 34% on 26 shots from the field. So definitely could have been a lot better. Paul George could have been a lot better, and everybody else kind of just did not step up, unfortunately. We get Patrick Beverly off the bench, only three points on four shots. We know he isn't a scorer. That's why we like him off the bench. Um, Rondo, four points. He had eight assists and eight rebounds. That's all great. Um, and then Nicholas Batum off the bench, 13 points on 62% shooting, three of six from the three, so not bad there. But uh, unfortunately, just come up a little short here against the Knicks. They lose close, 106-100. It's still a loss, though, at home. Not great. Alrighty, let's move on to the Pelicans and the Hornets and the Ball brothers going at it. Unfortunately, Lonzo Ball beats younger brother LaMelo Ball, unfortunate. But let's see how this kind of win here changes the outcome of the playing tournament, if it does at all. We get the Pelicans getting the win here. They're now back up to the 11th seed, overpassing the Kings. Kings are unfortunately basically out of it now. But the Pelicans, you know, a game and a half back from that 10th seed of the Spurs. So the Pelicans are back in it now. They're back in it. We'll see if they take advantage. Winning without Zion Williamson. I believe Brandon Ingram also did not play last night. And I think Steven Adams didn't play last night. We'll double check in a second. But, you know, this Pelicans team winning without Zion, you know, it's a little interesting. Interesting. You got to give a, you know, you got to kind of at least say it's interesting. So we'll see if it is kind of true that they can continue to win without Zion. We know he's probably out for the rest of the regular season. Now, if they make the playing tournament, who knows if he comes back? Probably not, but we'll see. All right. So the Pelicans only a game and a half back now uh, for that 10th seed, and there's still about, you know, four or five games left for everybody. So fantastic for the Pelicans there. And then for the Hornets, since they lost, they are now the eighth seed. And, you know, like we said a little bit earlier in the show, the Wizards are only a game back from that eighth seed of having two chances. Now, you know, we're in a little bit of a dilemma here because we love to root for Russell Westbrook, but we also want to root for, you know, LaMelo Ball, you know, this Hornets team. So, uh, you know, we're in a little bit of a dilemma here on who to root for. But I think I think we got to root for Russell Westbrook a little bit more over the Hornets because we can we can see this Wizards team potentially upsetting um, some teams here. Where this Hornets team, I don't know in a seven game series if they'll if they'll play that great um, all those games. So I think I'm rooting for the for the Wizards a little bit more over the Hornets here to get that eighth seed. But we'll see how it all uh, shakes out for the rest of the week. Um, all right, but let's jump right back into this game now. For this Pelicans team, this is their starting lineup, folks. Lonzo Ball at the one, Eric Bledsoe at the two, just their usual stuff. But then uh, Najee Marshall at the three, James Johnson at the four, and Willie Hernandez Gomez at the five, folks. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> that is not a good starting lineup anymore. But they get the win, so got to give them credit. But uh, here we go. Lonzo Ball, 12 points, six assists. He shot four of 11 from three. Eric Bledsoe, he led the team in scoring. Fantastic. Finally, he steps up big time. 24 points, 11 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 of 9 from 3. Yes, sir. Willie Hernandez Gomez, 9 points, 16 rebounds, just eating on the glass. 
James Johnson, 17 points, 8 rebounds at the 4. And then Najee Marshall, 13 points, 2 assists, 1 of 5 from the 3. Nothing great there. But then look at this bench. Yes, sir. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, baby. Yes, sir. Getting it done. Playing 21 minutes, 13 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds. We'll take that all day. Jackson Hayes, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Love seeing him have success. So the two players that we really root for off the bench truly get it done. And a huge reason for their success there. So, well done for Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes off the bench. Gotta love it. Lonzo Ball, little not great. Shooting 28%. <laughs> not great. But they do just enough to get the win. So, shout out to that. But now, let's talk about this Hornets team. Really no reason why they should have lost last night, especially at home. LaMelo Ball did his thing. 22 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. I think he played a little bit better than Lonzo Ball did, but... Uh, he lost, so unfortunate. Terry Rozier was back on track. Scary Terry was out in full force last night. 43 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds on 7 of 11 from 3 and 61% on 26 shots. So absolutely fantastic there. Bismick Biombo at the 5, 0 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, PJ Washington, 14 points, 12 rebounds. And then Jalen McDaniels, two points. He shot one of five from the field, but a minus 23 on the floor, a true defensive liability out there. Could not get it done. And then off the bench here for the Hornets, Cody Zeller had a good night. 17 points, eight rebounds coming off the bench. But then Malik Monk, five points on two of ten from the field. Kayla Martin, three points on one of six from the field. So the bench here for the Hornets truly let the team down. And um, just could not get the win there. Nice little, uh, a little unfortunate two-point loss here for this uh, Hornets team. So, well done for Lonzo getting a win without Zion. That's huge. Unfortunate loss for the Hornets. All right, let's keep moving on here. The Mavericks and the Cavs. Mavericks absolutely blow out the Cavs here. 124-97 win. So let's start here with the Mavericks quickly. Still no Porzingis, and Luka Doncic is able to kind of will this team to a win. Once again, Tim Hardaway Jr. being the leading scorer, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, Luka Doncic, 15 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Josh Richardson has been truly stepping it up here, and we kind of see this. We see more kind of spread out scoring when Chris Porzingis does not play. So I think he may be traded coming up this offseason. Um, depending on what happens in the playoffs, if he comes back, if they make it to the finals, maybe they don't, maybe they leave him in for one more season, for one more year. But, uh, yeah, Porzingis, man, it doesn't seem like he helps this team that much, but, um, you know, that's just what we're seeing so far. Uh, Willie Colney Stein filling in for Porzingis at the five, 4.7 rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, four points on two of 10 from the field, 0 of six from three, absolutely not great. But Tim Hardaway Jr. steps up big time here, led the team in scoring, 25 points, three assists, two rebounds, seven of 11 from three. I truly believe this man needs to be a six man of the year candidate, folks. The last time we looked, I believe on Friday, of just kind of the odds for the six man of the year, we saw that uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. wasn't even a thought. He wasn't even like the top 11. So let's see if he, you know, maybe this game put him over the edge to give him some odds here. And that is not the case. <laughs> that is not the case, unfortunately. So, um, I mean, we he's still eligible, folks. He's still having, you know, more games off the bench than he did starting. And I really think, you know, he's kind of getting snubbed a little bit here. Uh, but, you know, he led the team in scoring, stepping up now that he has to be in the starting lineup because they have to kind of shake around their, um, you know, shake around their lineup because no Porzingis. So I really love what Tim Hardaway Jr. is doing here for this Mavs team. Truly underrated and a little slept on in totality of what uh, makes this kind of Mavericks team work. 
Um, all right, and then off the bench, we get a great night by Jalen Brunson. 13 points, 7 assists. He shot 100% on 5 shots. Love that. And actually, Jalen Brunson is on this list, and he is number 3 at plus 1,600 of 6 men of the year. So, at least somebody from the Mavericks is in discussion, I guess. Um, and then what else do we get? Dwight Powell, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists off the bench. Fantastic. Uh, Nicola Melli put up 9 points off the bench. Well done. J.J. Redick, 6 points, 2 of 6 from 3. Meh, a little all right there. Alrighty, and then Boban Marjanovic getting in for four minutes because of, of an absolute blowout. Seven points. Boban Marjanovic is better than Porzingis. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Alright, and then we'll go over the Cavs quickly, but they lost. Um, Colin Sexton, still no Darius Garland, unfortunately. Colin Sexton, 24.7 assists. Also, um, Luka Doncic got ejected in this game uh, for uh, not punching Colin Sexton, unfortunately. Seemed in incidental, but they called it and they ejected him. Uh, but Colin Sexton, 24 points, led the team in scoring. Jared Allen, 5 points. Isaac Aguru, 12 points. C.D. Osmond, not playing. Anderson Verjao, playing 16 minutes off the bench at minus 17. We didn't even know that man was in the league. Um, yeah, and then off the bench was where all their scoring came from because they all played good minutes. But nothing good from the Cavs starters. Classic Cavs. All right, let's keep going on here. Timberwolves Magic, a blowout win by the Timberwolves. Expected against this Magic team. Um, so let's talk about this one. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio bat, uh, both in the starting lineup. Anthony Edwards at the three, Carl Anthony Towns at the five, and D'Angelo Russell at the two. But here we go. The starters absolutely got it done last night. Ricky Rubio, 18 points, two assists, two rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, 27 points, led the team in scoring with Carl Anthony Towns at 27 points. But five of nine from three, eight assists, six rebounds, a great night. Carl Anthony Towns, 27 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Anthony Edwards, 16 points, five assists, 10 rebounds. And then Jared Vanderbilt at the four, eight points and eight rebounds. So an absolute great game here by the starters of this Timberwolves team. And this is what I'm talking about, man. D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, they all work together. Hopefully they can keep the band together for next year. Add one extra piece maybe for the bench. And now we're talking about an absolutely playoff contender team. Um, anything good off the bench? We get Naz Reed, 9 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists off the bench. We'll take that. And then let's also shout out Jalen Noel, uh, 8 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists off the bench. So, well done for the Timberwolves last night. And then for the Magic, anything good here? Leading scorer was RJ Hampton off the bench with 19 points and 5 rebounds. Gary Harris still not doing anything for this Magic team. Unfortunate, 6 points in 23 minutes. Mo Bamba still at the five, three points, five rebounds, nothing great. Moritz Wagner, 11 points, five rebounds, just mediocre. So nothing great on this Magic team. They're not going to be in the playing tournament. They're not going to be in the playoffs, so goodbye. <laughs> at least the Timberwolves, yeah, they're not in the playoffs either or the playing tournament, but they're at least good. At least they're a good team. Alrighty, let's uh, keep moving on here. The Bulls and the Pistons in, a, in another great win here by this Bulls team to be able to, you know, still be in the playoff hunt. And, you know, this is exactly what we want. We want the Wizards at 9, and then we want the Pacers at 10. So if the Bulls do get in, the Pacers fall out by default. So that's what we're hoping for. They're two and a half games back uh, still of the Pacers. Uh, but the Bulls get the win, so let's start with them. 
Kobe White, Zach Levine, Vucevic, Thaddeus Young back in the starting lineup. Daniel Tice not playing, so Thaddeus Young goes back in the starting lineup at the four, and then Patrick Williams at the five. But here we go. Kobe White, 21 points, four rebounds, three assists, five of 11 from three. We love that. Fantastic night. Zach Levine, 30 points, six assists, three rebounds. He shot three of five from three, 62% from the field. Well done. Then we get Vucevic, 29 points, 16 rebounds. So this was a great game to show that all these three players can work together on the floor. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Vucevic. They're all getting it done. They all put up 20-plus points, and uh, they all had a great night. So the fact that they're all working together, that's a nice little green flag that's starting to arise. Let's just see if they can kind of capitalize and maybe try to get a little lucky and get into the playing tournament. Uh, Thaddeus Young at the four, 11 points, three assists, three rebounds. He was a plus 19 on the floor, the highest plus plus minus margin of the group. Uh, Zach Levine was also a plus 19. And then Patrick Williams at the three to round out the starters, four points on four shots. Um, nothing great off the bench. Garrett Temple, you know, one point on 0 of 2 from the field. Lori Markkanen, two points on two shots. Javante Green, four points on three shots. And then Thomas Sortansky, six points on four shots. So really nothing great off the bench, which we know. So we'll see what happens here for this Bulls team. But if the starters can just get it all done by themselves, Daniel Tice comes back, maybe they can uh, squeak in there in the playing tournament. Alrighty, the the Pistons now. Sadiq Bay, 20 points. Well done. Seven rebounds to go along with that. Um, Isaiah Stewart, 19 points. Killian Hayes at the one. Led the team in scoring. 21 points. Eight assists, seven rebounds. A real great night by him. But, uh, you know, no Jeremy Grant, so no reason to win. So, um, yeah, Pistons lose by uh, 12. 108-96 over the Bulls. Let's keep moving on here. The Lakers and the Suns and a really bad loss against the Suns here against this a little lackluster Lakers team. Yes, Anthony Davis went off, but really, come on. DeAndre Ayton should be locking him up a little bit more better. Um, the offense, you know, this Lakers team should not be putting up 123 points. I get that Anthony Davis went for 42, but man, they don't really have any great shooters anywhere else or great scores anywhere else, especially once again without Dennis Schroeder in the lineup. All right, but let's talk about this Lakers team since they won. Alex Caruso at the one, 17 points, eight assists, three rebounds. He had a good night finally. KCP also had a good night at the two, 17 points, two assists, two rebounds, four of nine from three. Andre Drummond, 6 points, 10 rebounds. He's been very lackluster of what we saw from that Cavs, you know, early games. Um, but Andre Drummond, a little lackluster here. Anthony Davis at the 4, 42 big old points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, 3 steals, getting it done. He shot 1 of 5 from 3, so not the greatest there, but hey, 42 points, we can't knock anything. Um, and then Wesley Matthews at the 3, 9 points, 2 rebounds. Uh, no... Um, no Kyle Kuzma. Once again, that's uh, Kyle Kuzma is weird, yo. We, you know, when he's like the only one, when Anthony Davis isn't playing, when LeBron James not playing, he'll go for like 25 or 30. But then when, you know, Anthony Davis plays, he doesn't even start. And then he only puts up like four points on awful shooting. Kyle Kuzma, man, he's really, he, he doesn't help this team that much, in my opinion, in wins. Um, already, and that off the bench, anything good here? Um, Montrezl Harold, 12 points, three rebounds, not the not the worst. Taylor Horn Tucker, only seven points. But then Ben McLemore, there he is. Back again, folks. 12 points on four of seven from three. They definitely need him to kind of shoot the ball well, and he does. And he's one of the most consistent shooters on this team, and he just got here. So Lakers get the win. Absolutely fantastic. Now let's talk about the Suns team. Truly disappointing loss here for the Suns. Um, they're kind of classic lineup. 
of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Torrey Craig still at the three, only played nine minutes. Jay Crowder did play 27 minutes, so they you know they basically had their bigs there. And then McCall Bridges at the three still. So Chris Paul, 13 points, 10 assists. Devin Booker, only 21 points, so a little lackluster there. And he only shot 35%. So, once again, you know, if Devin Booker doesn't step up scoring, nobody else really does. And then when Devin Booker has a great night, it's kind of hard. Well, it's not hard, but we do see some of their losses where, you know, everybody else just flounders scoring. So, that is still a little bit of a um, red flag that's starting to keep growing here. It started off small, but now it's just slowly getting bigger and bigger. The other players on the Suns team, they kind of flounder in the scoring department. And that's what we got last night. Chris Paul only 13 points. DeAndre Ayton only 6 points. I mean, feed that man down low. Uh, Torrey Craig only played 9 minutes so, for those 2 points. McCall Bridges put up 15 points on, you know, 75% shooting. That was pretty good. Off the bench here for the Suns, they all got it done. I mean, this is why the this is why the game was competitive because of the bench. Jay Crowder put up 13 points. Cameron Payne put up 24 points on 90% shooting. The only uh, shot he missed was a three-pointer. So fantastic. And then uh, Frank Kaminsky, nine points, five assists, six rebounds, also off the bench. It's just, you know, a little unfortunate. Devin Booker only went for 21. I mean, they really need Devin Booker to go for like 25, 30-plus points every single night. So a little unfortunate, a little lackluster scoring here by the Suns uh, contributes to their loss. And then the last game of the night, the Kings and the uh, Thunder. Kings blow out the Thunder, 126-98. Is it, uh, what are the Kings now? Uh, we, you know, we, we kind of lost interest in them because they lost head up against the Spurs. That was a huge game. They lost it, and we're kind of done with them. You lose that game, you know, why should we even kind of root for you now? You just lost against the best chance you had to get in the playing tournament. So, all right, you can beat the Thunder. Congrats. It doesn't really change anything too much here. We can start with the, with the Kings quickly. Still no De'Aaron Fox, unfortunately. So De'Lon right at the 1, 15 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. Buddy Heald, 14 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds on 4 of 10 from 3. Raquan Holmes still getting it done at the 5, 15 points, 4 rebounds. Marvin Bagley, 13 points, 9 rebounds. And Maurice Harkless, 18 points, 5 rebounds. And then the bench, I mean, they got it. They had a nice night by everybody, really. Uh, Damian Jones, 11 points, 6 rebounds. Chimize, Mitu. 13 points, 9 rebounds. So, eh, you know, it's just, it's a lackluster opponent against this Thunder team. They they seem to be act actively tamping, tanking. I mean, they're just getting blown out in every single game. Uh, Lugans Dort not playing. Shea Gales Alexander's out for the rest of the season. So, it's just really um, Alexev Puko Savetsky out here. 13 points, 5 assists, 2 of 7 from 3. Nothing great. Um, we can shout out Darius by easily. He led the team in scoring, 18.6 rebounds. But, uh, yeah, the, the Kings get the win. That's it. Thunder are just pure trash. <laughs> All right, that was the NBA from last night. Let's quickly, quickly update the power rankings here. Uh, we had the Nuggets at one. We have to move them back. So... They lost these last two games, folks, against the Nets and the Jazz, and they were still close games. But at the end of the at the end of the day, they are losses here, and we are kind of weighing these last, you know, five six games here. We're weighing them heavy, so you know, this week we're going to be kind of, you know, fluctuating the power rankings when we see necessary, and that's what we have to do right now with this Nuggets team. We just cannot leave them at number one. We're not going to drop them back too much here, but we are going to drop them back a little bit. So we're going to move the Nuggets back to three here. And then we're just moving the Bucks and the 76ers up one spot. So the 76ers move from three to two. And the Bucks are going to be the new number one team now. 
Um, nobody else really has to get moved. Um, we're keeping Bulls at number 11 because now they are in nice position to kind of steal. They are in a position to steal. Maybe we can move the Pelicans. Mm, Pelicans or Bulls? Let's put the Pelicans at number 11. Let's give them a shot at number 11. Why not? They just won without any of their good players. So, yeah, we'll put the Pelicans at number 11. Let's give them a chance. We gave the Kings a chance. We gave the Bulls a chance. They both kind of floundered. So let's see what the Pelicans do here at number 11, the kind of, you know, the free spot. Um, all right. But we don't have to move anybody else back too much. Clippers are going to stay at four because they just lost last night. We probably could move the Jazz up a little bit. Um, what did they do in their last couple of games? Anything good? Um, I don't think they face anybody, anybody good. But, yeah, we don't really need to move anybody else right now. We just need to move that Nuggets team out of the top uh, out of the top spot. <clears throat> and we'll replace them with the Bucks. So this is the new power rankings as of uh, Monday. Uh, Bucks 1, 76ers 2, Nuggets 3, Clippers 4, Jazz 5, Suns 6, Knicks 7, Mavs 8, Wizards 9, Hawks 10, Pelicans are 11. Alrighty, now let's uh, see what's on tap today in the NBA and we'll get our moneymaker going. Took yesterday off of our money. Well, not really. I mean, we still had the game from last night. We one of one. It was just a nice little one-teamer, but hey, it hit, so we love it. Um, alrighty, so this is what we have on deck for today, folks. Alrighty, we got the Wizards and the Hawks. A huge game here for both of these teams. Once again, the Wizards, they have the ability to move up to that eighth seed, and they definitely want that for two chances. If you're seven and eight, you get two chances in the playing tournament. If you're nine and ten, it is win and go home. Or lose and go home. Um, the Hawks still kind of vying for the fourth seed to have home court advantage. They could also drop down to the sixth seed. If they do drop down to the, to the sixth seed, they would have to face the Bucks first round. Now, would you rather face the Knicks or the Bucks? I'm taking the Knicks, but you know, y'all can face who, who y'all want. I want to face the face the Knicks. So. Um, I do not want to face that Bucks team. No way. So, yeah, the Hawks, a huge game here to kind of keep pace for that fifth seed, to potential keep pace for a potential move up of the fourth seed of home court advantage. So that's going to be a great game. Pacers, Cavs. Hopefully the Pacers lose, y'all. I do not want to see the Pacers in the playing tournament. Uh, Pelicans, Grizzlies, a huge game here. Pelicans to get into the playoff tournament. Grizzlies to try to potentially move to number eight for, once again, a, uh, two chances at, at the playoff spot. Um, Bucks, Spurs, big game for the Spurs to keep pace at the number 10 seed. Jazz, Warriors, big game for the Warriors to keep at pace at number 8. And the Rockets and the Blazers. And once again, huge game for the Rockets to keep pace at number 6, to not fall to number 7, to not fall into the playing tournament, to keep their playoff spot. So huge games on tonight. Huge, huge implications in everything. Uh, just seeding in general, playing tournament, not in the playing tournament. So huge, huge everywhere, folks. Alrighty, so let's get these lines up to date here. Um, what the? Uh, am I on the wrong date here? What the hell is going on? Hawks, Wizards, Hawks. What is this? Yeah, thank you. Alrighty, alrighty, we're good now. Alrighty, let me blow my nose and then we'll get right into it. Alrighty, we are all good. The lines are officially up to date. And holy moly. Alrighty, the first one up, we may get some good value, but there must be some people not playing because there's no reason this spread should be like this, in my opinion. But here we go. First game up. Wizards, Hawks, Wizards plus eight. Plus eight. What are, what are we not? So, who, who's missing? Who's not playing? There's got to be somebody. And there it is. There it is right there. Bradley Beal is out for the Wizards tonight. A huge game. A huge blow to them. 
And then for the Hawks, just Tony Snell is a game-time decision and Cam Reddish are out. But, hey, man. I got to rock with this Wizards team, man. I know Russell Westbrook always steps it up, man. I think he's going to step it up tonight. A huge game, like we said, for both of these teams. But for this Wizards team to be able to potentially get to that number eight seed, it's going to be huge for them for two chances at the actual playoffs instead of just being number nine and, you know, one and done potentially. So... Huge game for the Wizards tonight. It is going to be tough, man. You know, Bradley Beal gives us like 30 to 40 points every single game. And this Wizards team, they're not the deepest off the bench. Somebody's definitely going to have to step up absolutely big time here for this Wizards team. Hopefully it's Davis Burton's. We'll see if he gets into the starting lineup. We'll see. Yeah, who are they going to stick in that starting lineup? Probably could be Davis Burton's. Where are we at? They just played last night or no? No. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. But, um, yeah, let's rock with the Wizards here, man. Eight points. Yes, sir. Let's see how this Hawks team is still kind of rolling. But uh, this Wizards team, can Russell Westbrook, I mean, this is a huge test for just Russell Westbrook. Can he single-handedly by himself lead this team to a competitive game, to a win? Let's see what happens. We'll take the Wizards plus eight. Let's rock with them and give Russell Westbrook a chance. All right, next game up is the Pacers and the Cavs. Pacers minus 8.5, Cavs plus 8.5. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, game-time decision. Malcolm Brogdon, game-time decision. And Miles Turner is still out. We know that. And then for the Cavs, uh, C.D. Osmond, game-time decision. Darius Garland, game-time decision. Isaiah Hartenstein, game-time decision. So, um, too many question marks here for both these teams. Two not good teams. I do not care about this Pacers team at all, folks. I really wish they would just get out of the playing tournament, wasting a spot. Uh, so, we'll stay away from this one. Nothing great there in value. All right, then we get the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. And, man, oh, man, we might be betting on this Pelicans team. Look at the spread. Pelicans plus 9, Grizzlies minus 9. Uh, for the Pelicans, Steven Adams is a game-time decision. Josh Hart is a game-time decision. Look at this. Brandon Ingram, game-time decision. He could be back, y'all. That's fantastic. And same thing with Josh Hart getting their bench back together. And we, we know Zion's out, but they just won without Zion. That's a huge good sign. And then for the Grizzlies, just Grayson Allen is out. But um, I'm going to take the Pelicans plus nine here, folks. We just swapped them out to that 11th seed of, you know, play-in tournament caliber team, giving them a chance to highlight them a little bit. A great game last night. Lonzo didn't really get it done by himself, but everybody else really truly stepped up in that game. So we'll take the nine points here. Grizzlies, I mean, you know, they're in the play-in tournament. At number nine, had the chance to get to number eight, but you know, without Grayson Allen, how does everybody else, you know, go? And you know, this Grizzlies team is nothing, anything great. They're always right about 500, so I, I can, you know, take these nine points, and I'm feeling real good about it. So Pelicans plus nine, man, do or die teams. Washington Pelicans taking the points. We love it. All right, let's keep going here. Spurs and Bucks. Bucks minus seven. Spurs plus seven. Alrighty, for the Bucs, everybody's good to go. And then for the Spurs, just Trey Lyles is a game-time decision. But uh, we are going to stay away from this one. Uh, Spurs, you know, they are just kind of, you know, real, real, real hit and miss. <laughs> real hit and miss on what they do on a consistent basis. And they are just trying to keep their position at number 10. So another huge game for this Pelicans team. Potentially able to kind of move up if they get the win, but they got to win first and then hope for the Spurs loss. So we'll stay away from Spurs, or from, yeah, Spurs box. We'll stay away from that. Um, and then we get the Jazz in the Warriors. Jazz minus two and a half, Warriors plus two and a half. Real interesting spread here. Uh, for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell's out and Mike Connolly is still out. And then for the Warriors, Kelly Oubre Jr. out, Damian Lee is out. So. 
This Jazz team now two games above the Suns for that first seed in the Western Conference because the Suns just keep losing games they probably should not be losing. Um, but the Jazz minus two and a half here is looking like good value. Um, gonna probably stay away from it because this Warriors team has a chance to keep this number eight seed. Two chances at the playoffs. That's huge, folks. That's truly huge. So we'll stay away from the Warriors game. I feel like this, this, these odds, this, this is feeling like a little bit of a trap game to me. Uh, the Warriors, their three-point shooting, and look at this. I mean, folks, the Jazz. The only reason why they're kind of competitive and still winning games without Mike Connolly and Donovan Mitchell is because of Bogdanovich going for like 40 points a game. So, if he's not out there shooting the ball. This Jazz team's not going to win, so I think this may be a little bit of a sucker bat here, honestly, and I'm going to stay away from it because we're not trying to look like suckers out here. So Jazz minus two and a half, it's looking like great value. I don't think they win. I I, I think I don't think they're going to win this game, so um, we'll stay away from it. And then the last game of the night, the Rockets and the Blazers. Rockets plus 14.5, Blazers minus 14.5. Just going to stay away from it because, I mean, this is way too big of a spread that I want to be a part of. Um, either way, swallowing or getting points. Uh, can't trust the Rockets at all, so not taking the points. Uh, but uh, for the Rockets, Eric Gordon out, Kelly Olenek, game time decision. John Wall's out, Avery Bradley's out, Sterling Brown is out, Christian Woods, a game time decision. Dante Exum is out, DJ Wilson's out, Kevin Porter's out, David Waba's out. And then for the Blazers, just Carmelo Anthony's a game time decision. So we'll stay away from that one not really great value there of that spread so we'll stick with just wizards plus eight and pelicans plus nine two teams that want to kind of you know advance their seating advance their standings and we got a lot of points with them we'll take that all day wizards plus eight pelicans plus nine feeling great about this moneymaker tonight Alrighty, let's head over to the NFC East and now start grading some draft performances. Yes, sir. We've uh, officially have uh, gone through the um, um, the AFC. We've done all the AFC and now we can kind of look back and start looking at these AFC teams now. So the Eagles the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team will be evaluating their draft today, giving them a letter grade. Uh, we've given out a couple of A's so far. The Jets are one. The Man, oh, man, I keep forgetting which ones we've given A's to. Uh, who do we give an A to? We just gave, um, we gave an F to somebody. Our first F. Uh, but we gave the... Where are we at? Yeah, we gave the... Um, the Houston Texans is an F. What, what an awful draft. Um, and then the Titans get the A-, the Jags get the A-, and the Jets get the A+. So we'll see if any of these NFC East teams can get a nice high letter grade. So let's start here with the Washington football team. All righty. First round pick at number 19, they get a linebacker. Once again, shoring up their defense. That was the best thing about Washington last season. Ron Rivera can get it done himself. Or Ron Rivera can just coach himself. Let me fix this real quick. Um, Ron Rivera can just, you know, coach defense himself. He's not worried about it. And, uh, you know, they just shore up their defense with the linebacker at number one. I love that. Then in the second round, um, Samuel Cosme, an offensive lineman shoring up, trying to protect. They didn't get a quarterback in this draft, which I absolutely love. I can rock with Taylor Heineke, definitely backed up with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Absolutely. I can rock with that for one year. Shoring up that line so they don't get hit. Uh, so fantastic there. And then in the third round, they get Benjamin St. Just, a cornerback. Fantastic. Shoring up, once again, their defense that, you know, is basically, you know, the the best thing about this Washington team. Like we said, the, the offense is all right. Um, no real A1, Tier 1 superstar players out there. They got um, Terry McLaurin that kind of 
panned out very well last year. Let's see if he can take the t uh, year two leap. And let's see if everybody else around them can kind of, you know, elevate their game as well. Then also in the third round, they get Deami Brown, a wide receiver for their, you know, for um, Taylor Heineke if he's going to be the starter. But a nice kind of tall wide receiver out here, six one. So very well done there. Then uh, they also get in the fourth round, J. John Bates, tight end. How tall is he? Nice six five tight end, a great tall tight end. That's exactly what you want in this league. Fifth round, they get Derek Forrest, a safety. Uh, sixth round, they get a. Um, a safety again, or a long snapper, I mean, uh, and Cameron Cheeseman, folks. Cameron Cheeseman. They they draft that man. Um, sixth round pick. Uh, seventh round pick to get three picks. William Bradley King, linebacker, Shaka Tony, defensive end. And then the last pick, they go wide receiver again, and a nice tall wide receiver at 6'1 to potentially pan out. You know, seventh round pick, boom or bust. Probably going to be a bust, but go for the height. So, Washington. Football team, just like, I mean, I'm fine with them not taking a quarterback. Truly 100% fine with that. I don't think, I'm not going to knock them for not taking a quarterback. I think that's the right decision. We've heard time and time again that Ron Rivera is not going to overreach for players. He's going to work with whatever they've got. And if that's not great players or A1 tier 1 players, they're not worried about that because they can still win. They just won the division last year at 7-9. and nine, So, fantastic. But, you know, um, you know, Antonio Gibson at the running back, a solid running back here. He, did he uh, 795 yards, so just under that 1,000-yard mark, but still solid work. They short up the line for him to be even better. Terry McLaurin had a great year last season, 1,100 yards for their number one wide receiver. They have Curtis Samuel, so they don't need that kind of A, you know, that kind of first, second, third round tight, or wide receiver pick, or just kind of first and second. So, just really shoring up their defense. I love it. Um, so, there's really no holes to fill here for this Washington team, in our opinion. Just real solid talent that we know Ron Rivera is going to elevate here. So, we're going to give them a solid B+. Not overreaching for a, a running back or a wide receiver or a quarterback was fantastic. Shoring up their defense. Let's run it back defensively. And, you know, let's just kind of have our offense be game managers. Whether that's going to be Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick. Patrick can win games. We know Taylor Heineke can be competitive. I mean, he went toe to toe with Tom Brady first round of the playoffs. Got to give him the man some credit. So, uh, gonna have this entire off season to kind of work and learn. So, well done by the Washington football team. Good draft. We give them a B plus. Alrighty, now let's go to the Giants. Now, alrighty, and probably one of the most surprising first round picks in this year's draft was Kadarius Tony wide receiver. Now they didn't need a wide receiver, but Kadarius Tony folks, everyone's talking about Jalen Waddle being the next kind of Tyree kill. No, no, no. It's Kadarius Tony folks. This man's got amazing speed. He's six foot looking real great out here and an absolute, uh, I don't want to say steal in this draft, but, um, what a, Pickup. It's a great pickup. Didn't really need him, but hey, got a nice, explosive, huge boom potential in this league. Kadarius Tony first round pick. And then in the number second round, <laughs> they get Aziz Ujulari, linebacker. We're big on him. Third round, they go Aaron Robinson, corner. Fourth round, they go Ellerson Smith, linebacker. And then in the sixth round, they go pick up a running back. Just, you know, just because. I mean, yes, they've got Saquon Barkley. And there's no real great running back talent in this draft class besides Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And then in the sixth round as well, their last pick, they get Rodarius Williams, a cornerback. So just shoring up their team a little bit more. When we look at their depth chart, they don't really need any offensive weapons. That's why the Kadarius Tony pick was a little out of right field because, I mean, you've got Kennedy Galladay, you've got Sterling Shepard, you've got Darius Slate. I mean, these are nice pass catchers. And then you got Evan Ingram as a tight end position. But this Kadarius Tony pick. 
Could Darius Tony pick up? Could honestly, I I have him projected at being kind of the number two wide receiver. Calm week one. Um, it's, uh, Kenny Galladay number one. Kadarius Tony number two. I mean, you got the size and the speed. Kenny Galladay, what is he? Six two, six three, six four. Oh my goodness, even better. So. You got the tall wide receiver at Kenny Galladay. You got the, you know, decently tall six foot fast. Folks, he's so freaking quick, man, um, of Kadarius Tony. So Saquon Barkley's back. You don't need the running back. Daniel Jones is the guy. They don't need the quarterback. Their line's good. And defense just shoring it up a little bit. I mean, look at this. Look at this defensive back crew of, you know, Dory Jackson, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers. I'm a big fan of Jabril Peppers, too. Um, Aziz Ujulari at the linebacker position. You got Leonard Williams up front. So, very solid draft here for the Giants. Didn't really need anything big. Um, I liked, you know, a little bit of maybe a luxury pick here at number one that they maybe... I, 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 this season's going to tell whether this Kadarius Tony kind of, you know, luxury pick, splurge pick at the first overall pick or first round pick is going to pan out or not. But I'm going to give this Giants draft class a solid B here. They didn't really need anything too much. Um, maybe show up their line a little bit. But at the end of the day... They got a nice kind of uh, um, wide receiver talent, short up their defense a little bit. So we'll give them a solid B here. Alrighty, now let's go to the Cowboys now. Alrighty, what do they need? Well, they need defense, and man, oh man, they just win. Mother-loving defense, folks. First-round pick, Michael Parsons, linebacker. He's going to be great. He's going to be a week one starter, absolutely. Uh, Second-round pick, Kelvin Johnson, cornerback. Third-round pick, Osa Odegazua. I butchered that, and I truly apologize. Defensive tackle. Third-round pick, Chauncey Golston. Defensive end. Third-round pick, folks, they had three, three third-round picks. Fantastic. All defense, fantastic. Uh, third round pick, Nishan Wright, cornerback. Fourth round pick, Jabril Cox, inside linebacker. Um, Jabril Cox, what the heck? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was, I had another name in my head for some reason. Um, all right, but yeah, Jabril Cox, uh, linebacker is going to be great. Josh Ball, fourth-round pick, offensive tackle, so shoring up their line a little bit. That was their – well, they had three offensive picks in this draft, but they had like 10 picks in total. Um, and, man, oh, man, the biggest deal of the draft is right here, folks, at the fifth-round pick, Semi Fayoki. He's going to be an absolute stud, folks. Six-four, big, great hands, powerful. And, uh, you know, a little unfortunate that this Cowboys team already has great wide receivers because this man is going to play and can really be a starter week one, in my opinion. He's so freaking great. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, a hidden gem in this year's draft, but we think he's going to pan out absolutely fantastic. So, Semi Fayoki, great pick up there at the fifth round. Sixth round, they go Quinton Bohana, defensive tackle. Sixth round, they go Isaiah, um, Israel Mukromo, um, cornerback. And then the last pick, seventh round, Matt Ferrienok, um, guard. So, shoring up their defense, that's really all they need. They didn't need the wide receivers. They didn't need the running back. They're good there. Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin at the tight end position. So just filling up that defense that was absolutely lackluster all season long. And then the Semi Fayoki hidden gem pickup as well. I gotta give this Cowboys draft an A-, minus. honestly. They've got the defense now. And if Dak Prescott can kind of return to his form, you know, instantly without kind of having this kind of, you know, injury 
post-injury slump season, this Cowboys team is going to be dangerous to rock with, but Mike McCarthy needs to step up, and Dak Prescott needs to get it done. I mean, that's really the only two factors here. They short up their defense. Let's see if all these picks pan out, but in terms of just what they need and what they got, the defense was really what they needed, and they went and shored that up. So A-minus, really kind of the semi-Fayoki pick picking this up from a B minus to an A plus, honestly. And that's how big I feel about Semi Fioki. He's going to be great in this league. Alrighty, and then the last team here in the NFC East here um, is the Eagles. So let's see what they did. They went and traded up in round one to get Devontae Smith, who I wish the Dolphins got. So I'm a little jealous that uh, the Eagles ended up getting him, but a great pick up there. I think he's going to be the best wide receiver in this year's draft. And then, honestly, I think Kadarius Tony is going to be number two, outpacing Jamar, uh, yeah, Jamar Chase. And then Jamar Chase, number three. And then probably Jalen Waddle four. That's just how I see it, but we'll see what happens this season, obviously. Uh, second round pick, they go Landon Dickerson, uh, center. Uh, third round pick, they go Milton Williams, defensive tackle. Fourth round pick, they go Zach uh, McPherson, cornerback. Fifth round pick, they get Kenneth uh, Gainwell, a running back, a really kind of head scratcher pick. I'm a real big fan of Miles Sanders here for this Eagles team. And uh, like we said, there's really no good running backs in this year's draft class, folks. There's two good ones, and that's it. Everybody else is probably going to be absolutely garbage. <laughs> uh, so, fifth round pick, picking up the running back. Not the not my favorite decision. Sixth round pick, they go defensive tackle. Sixth round pick again, they go defensive end. Sixth round pick again, they go safety. And then their last pick in the seventh round, Patrick Johnson, outside linebacker. So, uh, this Eagles team is rocking with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's going to be the quarterback, folks. So they obviously didn't need to go get a quarterback there. I do kind of like the aggressive pick. Jalen Rager played out fantastically last year for this uh, Eagles team. How many yards did he have? He only, I, uh, whoa, he only had 396 yards last year? Is that right? Wow. Did he play in all these games? I thought Jalen Rager got it done last year. I guess he did not. Interesting. All righty. All right, I guess I was wrong on that one. That one's my own narrative. I thought he was doing good. Um, all righty, so we'll see, you know, how Jalen Rager does this season. Devontae Smith, you know, now is going to have, you know, a huge, good, successful year potentially, you know, coming in instantly being the number one wide receiver. Greg Ward as well, you know, that's why I like this pick. I mean, they don't really have any great wide receivers, and when you're kind of, you know, mentoring a quarterback and, you know, kind of trying to um, prepare or just kind of, I don't want to say groom because I don't really like that word, but um, when you're trying to, um, you know, elevate Jalen Hurts from, you know, year one to year two, you got to have some weapons out here. I mean, that was Tua's downfall last year, not having the good weapons. So Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders I am a big fan of, so. Decent offensive weapons here. Defensively, Darius Slay at the corner. I like that. They got Fletcher Cox still. Brandon Graham. But, uh, you know, kind of focusing a little. And they were kind of a lot. They were all over the field. I mean, where did we get? Uh, wide receiver, center, defensive tackle, corner, running back, defensive tackle, defensive end, safety, outside linebacker. So nothing truly specific here. Just kind of, you know, taking the taking their, you know, their pick at every position, hoping that they all pick out. But uh, we're going to give this one a solid B. I love the Devontae Smith pickup. Everything else was just kind of, all right, meh, just solid pickup. Nothing else truly great here for this Eagles team. So we'll give them a B. See how they go. Nick Sirianni didn't do the greatest in this year's draft, but we'll see how these how all these players play pay out pan out for this Eagles team. But we'll give them a B for their draft. 
Alrighty. Um, all right. Let's see if anything is breaking. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. But let's see if anything has been breaking. Alrighty. Nothing so far. Steven Adams is listed as doubtful today. So a little unfortunate for this Pelicans team, but we still like them. That just means Jackson Hayes probably gets more burn, and we are all about that. Alrighty, anybody else? Any breaking news? Does not seem like it. Alrighty, well, that is going to do it for us today. We're back tomorrow doing it all over again. Probably looking at the NFC, let's just say West, maybe. Maybe. Uh, three more divisions to go to for to finally finish up our drafts. Um, Alrighty. Alrighty, now that is going to do it for us today. Alrighty, folks, we're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. We're back tomorrow. Hopefully you will be as well. Alrighty, we're out of here.